Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a journey into sound. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new values. And a new experience. Hello and welcome to You Haven't Heard This Music Podcast, episode 15, side B. Hello Wayne. Hello Richard. Straight into it, didn't I? That was straight into it. No messing about. How are you Wayne? You good? I'm tired but I'm really good, yeah. Today, on the B side, we've a, what's the word, we're we're setting a precedent for future episodes. Uh, we, we We have a guest on, we've had a guest on before, actually we had two guests on before but... Never really took off. This time it's going to take off. So we have Mike Five from uh, the the podcast Saturday. Saturday. No, New Music Saturday. New Music Saturday. Shit, that was really bad and unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could see that he had the name. It was right just behind his eyes. It was. So I always that, chipped in. I thought, no, I'll just let you. Sh- let sh- you shall I leave that or edit it out? <laughs> leave that in. That's fucking brilliant. Leave it in. Yeah. How are yeah. you, Mike? I'm very well, thank you. It's a real pleasure to be on the show. I, I think I discovered you maybe a couple of months ago and have listened to loads and I really enjoy the show, so thank you so much for having me on. Well, thank you very much for coming. The pleasure is all ours. It is, it is, yeah. So today, as usual, we have an eclectic Skip my words out, shall I? Today, as usual, we have an eclectic mix of music ranging from pop to... Cinematic. Cinematic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. I like the music. I just probably shouldn't have put them all on the same bill. Um, (laughs) But yeah. You'll never make a promoter, mate. No. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And we have our wild card as well. Not forgetting our wild card. I'm so so fucking excited. And this time we've got. I've done it through. Done it a bit different. So we've got. Excuse me, I need to burp. (laughs) That's a gassy drink. Um. Yeah, this this week um, we have even more submissions, and we have a good chance of having some absolute dog shit. I think <laughs> she's so happy about it. <laughs> yeah, so we'll just have wait. to wait and see, won't we? Oh, right dear. Okay, okay. So we'll move on to our first artist then. Right. So our first artist is going to be Christina Kiki. Okay. Christina Kiki and her song Ashes. Is that yeah, her song Ashes. So this is my conversation with her and her music. So 
tell me a bit about yourself. Who is Christina Kiki? What are you all about? Okay, well, um, I'm 17. I'm still in high school. Uh, well, I'm Mexican. I love songwriting, producing, generally making music. Yeah, I've been I've been doing it a lot and since I was little. Yeah. What instruments do you play? Oh, uh, I play the piano. So that's all you on the tracks that I've listened to. Yeah, I just play the piano and maybe produce it, garage band. So you've done everything then. Yeah. It's so polished and well produced. Thank you. Um, so your sound, it's such a unique sound. I don't want to offend you, but it doesn't feel like a piece of just a piece of music. It feels more like a piece of artwork. I don't know if that came across right, but I, I meant it in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how did you come up with this sound? What what influenced your choice in music, if you like? Um. Well, I don't like uh, putting myself in uh, a genre. I feel like it's mostly pop or just kind of a slow song. But what, what mostly inspires me is just uh, my feelings sometimes, what I experience, what I see. I tend a lot to go sit at cafes and stare at people, which is creepy. But uh, <laughs> it is. I do that. You do I that? Love people watching, yeah. Just watching people walk by yeah. and try, try to work out what that person's like, you know. And Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I do. It's weird, but I like it. It is weird. Like, there've, there's been people that go to me and say, why are you staring at me? And I'm like, um, it's for a project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I just analyze their movements and maybe write a story about them. Just them as characters um well the song uh ashes right it's about i was just sitting in my room and i heard a door and i started thinking about ash i don't, don't know why but um i just thought people are just here and then they're not it's quite deep and philosophical for a 17 it is i know it's scary <laughs> your voice it's very you've got such a good voice and you've obviously got a you know you, you've got it within you to just do normal songs. I mean, you almost sound a bit like Adele when you sing. Wow, thank and, you. I hope. And I think you've done it on purpose, but you, it's like you, you, you've added imperfections in your music and in your writing. So you, I, I can tell by listening to your voice that you've got it in you to just do a normal song and sing a normal, beautiful song. But it's like you've purposely added imperfections. And I don't need to think that I'm saying your work's imperfect and it's not good. What I'm actually saying is that the imperfections or the nuances that you're adding are making the song that extra bit better, them adding extra flavour and extra character to the song. It brings out something different, I think, that I, I like a lot. And that's why I, I say it's more like a piece of artwork than just a normal song. What artists or other musicians would you say you take influence from or inspiration from for your work? Um, I don't have anyone like that inspires me. I just find inspiration of people and just things that come to my mind because I like to I try to be as authentic as possible because I think that this world is full of so much people that that are artists and and have talent and uh, I just try to be as different as possible because that at the end that's what people like and that's what I like I like being me and yeah so would you say you try to be different or would you say just it's just something that happens uh, well, that's just me, so I guess it's something that happens. And also, I try to 
make things different when I produce or just like the heartbeat, the first part of the song, um, I came up with that. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, just stuff that's not your usual pop song or like... Yeah, you've definitely achieved that. Yeah, thank you. Do you do or do you plan to do any shows or gigs or anything? I hope. I mean, here in Mexico, we don't have like that much opportunities, especially because the music I write is always in English, which is weird, but I've always written in English. So um, I can't do it here, but maybe when I go, uh, when I turn 18, I'll move into the USA or the UK, maybe, I don't know, and I'll start doing shows. I hope. So, so you plan to? You you have a five-year plan? Yeah, I, I do. I hope it works. That's cool. Yeah. I think your music's very niche, but I do think there's people out there that will absolutely love what you do. Thank you. So I'm going to throw a few quick-fire questions at you. First, you're going on holiday, and you have an MP3 player that you've got to put some songs on. Unfortunately, it's a very old one. You can only stick two songs on it. What two songs are you going to stick on that MP3 player? Oh, um, okay. Uh, I Will Always Love You from Whitney Houston. I love okay. it. It's, it's, it's a bit cheesy, but I love it's it. It's a classic. Yeah. And, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I have so many songs. Mainstream, mostly. Uh, Billie Eilish, Bad Guy. Okay, good tune, good tune. She's quite new, isn't she, Billie Eilish? She is, but she's so talented. And she's uh, she's she's quite out of the box. She's yeah. uh, a bit like yourself. She just does her own thing. Yeah, she she's just so different. Yeah, she is. Uh, not my cup of tea, not my thing. But I have to appreciate what she's doing now. She's uh, not following trends and following her own path. It's 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 quite refreshing to see something that in the mainstream. So, right, next question then. If you could go back in time and erase any song from existence, what would you get rid of? Oh, that's mean. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't get rid of any song because there's always something for everyone and maybe I will hate that, but maybe another person will love it. So I wouldn't I wouldn't erase anything. See, that's why it's such a difficult song. You've got to hate it so much that you don't want anybody else to listen to it either. <laughs> oh my God, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, Despacito. <laughs> I hate it. That is the national anthem of your country. <laughs> um, sort of, <laughs> yeah. Not the Justin Bieber one, though. No, no. No, the original one. Do you know how many listens that I had on YouTube? So many listens. I think it was over a billion. Yeah, yeah. It was so popular. Everyone played really it popular. everywhere. That's what I mean. It's probably been played more than the actual national anthem. Yeah. Cool. Right then. So the next question. If you could collab with any artist, dead or alive, who would you collab with? Oh, Freddie Mercury, of course. God, that was quick. Yeah, I've, I've always thought about that and I would totally would bring Freddie Mercury back from the death if I could <laughs> and did you see the film yeah he's he's genius it was good wasn't it it was right then so if our listeners want to get hold of you they want to listen to you or they want to follow you on socials where, where can they do that 
Uh, well, I've got an Instagram account and Twitter. Christina Kiki. No, it's KK uh, underscore six underscore seven. Wow. Obviously, we'll stick those in the show notes so people can just click on them anyway. Right, we are at a close. Uh, thank you, Christina, for joining me on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And without any furtherance of ado's, here is Christina Kiki with her song, Ashes. I'm sorry You don't get your glory When you're sleeping It looks like you're dead Bloody Cause it's morning for her Oh, it hurts, it kicks in Nothing comes as pain Returns to ash Fire burns today Pray, pray, toast Smoke of a remains Toad falling light Ain't nothing there That was turned up Gave her last breath So that was Christina Kiki with her song Ashes. I discovered her, re- well, she discovered us and got in contact. She's from Mexico. Oh, Mexico? Mexico. She, she's self produced. Everything she does is by herself. Everything. She's kind of like a, a bedroom artist type thing. And DIY. DIY, yeah. And her English is brilliant for a Mexican. Well, I thought she was from London, so. Yeah, you you didn't listen to the interview though, did you? No, you haven't. I haven't edited no. that yet. No. I ne- this is a, this is a thing. I need to start again, more proactive with the edit, so as I can send over 
No, I'm going to start doing that now. So every time I, uh, every time we do a B-side from now on, you will have listened to the the full edit of the um, the interviews and the music. You know what's great about that? That's on tape. That's recorded. That is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get out of it. <laughs> so anyway, Christina Kiki, as our guest, our new guest and a bloody blah. I'm going to let you go first, Mike. What did you think? Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I really like I like this because it had a pretty melody. She's clearly really talented. You know, in terms of musicality, I thought it was really cleverly kind of <clears throat> put together. I thought it was quite difficult to hear what she was saying because she sort of not mumbled, but I, can't, I don't know, sort of didn't quite articulate all the words. But um, and there was lots of ooing and stuff like that in it. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was kind of it's probably not generally my cup of tea but I found myself listening to it a few times throughout the week because it was one of those I kept going back to and thinking every time I heard it I heard a bit more but yeah I thought in terms of um, you know, the, putting the song together and, and her vocals and all the rest of it off, which was really really good so yeah it was a, uh, I would say pretty was the word that came out pretty melody in it nice Wayne I, I agree with Mike yeah I, I struggled to work out some of the things she was singing you know some of the some of the the choices she made in her singing style I think she's a really good singer, and I like the way that she stripped back the music so her vocal sits on top of it, and it's more present. You know, it's more present. It's more at the front. But the trouble was, I didn't get the gist of the song from from the lack. You know, from not being able to understand the singing. But I agree with Mike. Pretty song, really, really good, good song as well. You know, say it's been produced by herself, and I think it's very contemporary as well. It sits in with what's happening. In the music industry at the moment, um, in the sort of the pop side of it, you get a lot of singers who are coming out who've got this sort of poppy, folky sound to their voices. So yeah, it's good. She almost sounded a bit like Adele, I thought. Um, yeah, her tone. Uh, I I do agree. I, I didn't realise till afterwards that yeah, her enunciation and pronunciation of her words needs a bit of work in English. I'd imagine in Mexican she sounds. Absolutely amazing, and I think she could in in English as well. I think she just needs to work on like you like you say the. Mm. It was a short, snappy song as well. You know, it was it was in and out. It, was, it grabbed you, and then and then it was gone before you could, you know, really get to grips. With yeah, it. it was only it was just under three minutes long. I think. Yeah. But yes, lovely song. It, it did lovely feel voice. really quick. Mm. I thought the the interesting thing about that vocal was I couldn't work out if it was I didn't know she was from Mexico. But I couldn't work out if it was a deliberate style, like yeah. you, said, you said about like that kind of folk singer style. It, mm. it felt like maybe that was a choice. So I don't know if it was in Mexico. Maybe it would have been the same thing. But I can't speak. I hope she's from Spanish Mexico. Name. <laughs> <laughs> when you find out she's from Brighton, she's like three doors down from mine. <laughs> have to re-record this whole segment. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> Won't be the last. <laughs> Cool. So yeah, that was Christina Kiki with her song Ashes. Check her out on all the socials and all the streaming sites that we will post in of our show notes. Yeah. Very nice. So our next artist is going to be Alexander Alexander Bornstein. Bornstein. Stein or Stein, depends where in the world you are. Mm-hmm. Alexander Bornstein. He's a I was just thinking of uh, young Frankenstein then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frankenstein! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> this is his... Really? <laughs> right. 
Right, so anyway, this is Alexander Bornstein with his composition and my chat with him. I would class you as a, a classical composer. I don't know if that's the way you, you, you look at you, your work, because it's kind of like um, soundtrack stuff that you do, isn't it? Yeah, almost exclusively, you know, film, TV, multimedia kind of things. Um, you know, that's just kind of where the direction I, I've been pulled in. But, you know, at the same time, you know, saying classical is not, you know, it's not wrong per se. And I do like to keep it a little bit broad only because, you know, uh, sometimes I get pulled in directions that aren't, you know, visually based. You know, so I did a, a, an electronic album a couple years ago, you know, when I was in college and grad school, I wrote a lot of uh, chamber music and, you know, things of that style. So it's, I've kind of been all over the place. So it's not a, I wouldn't say it's inaccurate to, to, to call it that either. Obviously your sound, it's, it's an orchestral sound. How do you go about producing your works? Do you like, is it all done through very expensive synthesizers or do you have like a, a, a plethora of instrument instrumentalists at your hand it's kind of a mixed bag and the the needs of every project kind of dictate what the what the resources are uh you know so and in, in you know first to the moon as an example was you know largely produced um by me writing inside of uh, of cubase you know using orchestral samples and things like that with a mixture of you know some analog synthesizers that i have and then also a lot of software synthesizers too and usually those all kind of come together to make the final product. And then in some cases, you know, they get handed off to, a, you know, an audio engineer who kind of puts the final polish on it and then kind of takes it uh, from there and delivers it for the, for the dubbing mixers to put into the final uh, project. But sometimes, you know, I do the final mixes myself. But, you know, by and large, and most composers I know today share this workflow, you know, we're all based, you know, in a in a sequencer one way or another. And then if we have the, I suppose, luxury of recording it with real musicians, uh, we then, you know, prepare the music to be recorded that way. Uh, but it always is kind of contingent on uh, the resources of the project. If you ever listen to the podcast, you'll realize I am not an advocate of synthesizers usually. I hate synth. Um, when it, I hate with a passion 80s synth pop. But I love it when synth is done properly it's like you've managed to produce the sound of a full orchestra which is usually probably 200 hands and you've managed to do it with just your own two hands i, I think that that's incredible you're not just specializing in piano you have to understand each individual instrument as well even though you're not playing that instrument you're doing it all on the key stuff to have an understanding of it all so in, in a sense you you yeah, you have to be as good as each individual in the orchestra. And it blows my mind when I listen to it. See, your sound does sound like you've got lots of organic instruments in there. It reminds me a bit of a guy, I don't know if you know him, a guy called Jeremy Soule. Oh, yes, very much. Yeah, no, I know absolutely know who he is. Yeah, I've been listening to some of his works. I love his works. And, yeah, I don't know if he his approach is the same as yours, but, yeah, I was getting the same kind of feeling. Oh, well, I, I appreciate the kind words. Thank you. When you say you know him, do you know him or know of him? I know of him. I don't know him personally. Okay. <laughs> what accolades do you have to your name? Well, I, uh, I've i been based out of Los Angeles for about eight years now. And uh, I've, you know, kind of been working on more scores, things like First to the Moon. And you know, I've done a lot of television films and things like that. And then I've also... 
worked for other composers on a, on a variety of projects, um, you know, on a, with a number of different uh, hats to be worn, you know, either from, you know, producing uh, arrangements or doing orchestrations or doing uh, additional music. Uh, you know, I worked on the new series, uh, The Boys, earlier this year for uh, the composer Christopher Lennertz, and I was on his music team, which was a great experience. And, uh, you know, I've also worked on uh, Lost in Space with Chris uh, for Netflix. And, um, you know, I've kind of sort of worked for other composers, and I've also worked for uh, myself at the same time, you know, something, again, like First in the Moon. Um, yeah, so it's, I've kind of, you know, worked on a, on a variety of, of projects at different levels and it's been a, it's been an interesting eight years to, to say the least. I feel kind of bad for artists such as yourself because the work that you do is so complex and intricate and it's, it's, it's much harder than that what you hear in the mainstream and yet you don't get applause for it that you deserve, if you know what I mean. It's like you're not as recognised as as you should be, mainly because a lot of the stuff you do doesn't have lyrics and it doesn't make it into the charts, and I think that's wrong. You should be more praised for your work than all these mainstream artists. So how how do you feel about that? I mean, doesn't does it not frustrate you that you know you've spent all these years learning your trade and you know you're better than most of those out there? And yet you're not getting the praise that you deserve for it. Well, I, you know, I kind of see, I see both sides of this, you know, in terms of what the role of a composer is when it comes to telling a story and you're working with filmmakers or you're working with, you know, uh, a television show and trying to create something that people will want to talk about and want to watch. And, you know, so for me, as a composer who primarily specializes in, in what I do, uh, it kind of comes with the territory, you know, and sometimes I think it was Howard Shore. I, d I don't think it was John Williams, but I believe it was Howard Shore who said that, you know, if someone notices the music in these projects that you've kind of failed because you're really supposed to be, no one notices an actor acting, you know, and I, I know that's a little bit of a weird, uh, maybe that's a little, an odd way to yeah. put it, but but at the same time, there, I, I, I think there's something to be said there for, for what he's driving at in the sense that, I want to be noticed, and of course, you know, as an artist, you want recognition, you want people to respond to the work that you do, uh, but at the same time, I think when people are experiencing things that I've worked on, and there's a visual component to it, I, I don't necessarily want them to, I want them to experience the story and feel that on an emotional level. I don't necessarily want them to feel that, you know, I'm showing off or that I'm trying to, you know, wow them with all of this, you know, musical flourishing and and things like that, that's, that seems rather crass uh, to me. Um, yeah. but, con but conversely, I, I, I also, you know, sometimes it's a little frustrating, at least, you know, in the sense of, you know, when you work on these projects and they really do take a lot out of you. I mean, first to the moon, um, that was a hundred minutes of music that I had to, you know, put together in about a month. And, you know, it's, uh, it was a big undertaking and we recorded some of the score live, uh, you know, in, in Hungary. So there's a whole other component there that factors into preparing to record this music and preparing to have it finished. So, you know, you, you want as many people as possible to, uh, to get to experience it and hope that they, they, uh, that it resonates with them. But ultimately it's, it's kind of out of my control to an extent, you know, I can only do, I can only do so much. And, 
um, as cliche as it sounds, the work is its own reward sometimes, um, you know, in the sense of, of seeing it through and completing it. Um, and that helps. And I, I think these days versus maybe 15 years ago, you know, film music is kind of slowly having getting its mantle in the, the musical world. And I think it's kind of the dog is finally having his day. I think about Hans Zimmer touring and, uh, you know, the, he's playing music to sold out audiences. Uh, people are going to see the films uh, projected with the scores being performed live for John Williams and Alan Silvestri and James Horner and all these composers. And, you know, when I was growing up, that was unheard of. You know, film music was almost kind of a, a very, almost seen as kind of a lesser means of, of music, which is a it shame. It took a backseat, didn't it? It did, yeah. And it's uh, like, I remember, you know, buying soundtracks when I was a, when I was a kid growing up and um, it was always such a struggle to find the kind of music that I, I wanted. And now with the internet and I think fan bases are starting to connect with each other uh, through the internet, I think this kind of music is really starting to, to take shape. And Jeremy Soule's a great example of someone who has a, has a following and people know who he is and people respond and love his music. And, you know, the, the kind of things that are being asked for now from fans, you know, you'd never see television scores be released 15, 20 years ago. You'd never see many video game or computer game scores be released. And now we're slowly that that's shifting and is it shifting as much as I would like it to well maybe not but at the same time um you know I I definitely find plenty of satisfaction just from from doing the work itself I think you're selling yourself a bit short um when you say that when with what you're saying about the actors and the the music you know that you're not supposed to know it's there I think a blind person would would, would disagree on that i think you if i was listening watching a well i'll be, li- I be watching it, i'll be listening to a film and i need to get an idea of the scenery and the, the the picture and what's going on yeah i've got the dialogue but the music that paints the scene for for, for somebody who's blind i think yeah I, th- I think you're selling yourself short i think that the music is absolutely important i, I always notice it in fact, that's where I notice some of my lesser-known artists. You know, I hear something on TV, I get the Shazam out. I've got to know who's done that. I understand what you're saying about how it should be in the background. You shouldn't know it's there because it should blend in. But no, I, I, I look at it again. I think a blind person might disagree. Yeah, and I and I think to be to be fair, I, I think we're probably more on the same page than than maybe either of us think. Because yes, at the same time you know, the music shouldn't stand out and it shouldn't draw attention to itself inadvertently. Um, but it would be, you know, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now if I was writing music that just completely anonymously came and went, you know, so it's, it's definitely, I definitely see uh, both sides of, of the coin. I think it's more, sometimes I kind of put myself very much in the seat of writing the music that needs to do the job and then also not draw attention to itself, but sometimes you really do have to uh, take on the weight of the of the project and and do exactly what you're saying is that you have to be able to tell the story so that someone who isn't seeing what's going on would respond to these these story beats and I think it was uh, maybe Hans Zimmer who said it I forget the composer that said it but it was very astute because it was basically saying that you know the music is occupying the story uh, you know on 
above and below and to the left and to the right of the screen. And I think what, what, what he meant is that basically the, the music is everything you don't see happening on screen. And, it, and actually, as I say that, I think that was Jerry Goldsmith that said that. And I think that that's really the important thing as a composer is you have to be able to sculpt out those things from the story in ways that the set dressing certainly can't and in ways that the, the cinematography can do to an extent, but the music really is the, the dimension that can reach you. You know, you can be sitting, like you, like you said, you know, you're watching a show and you're not really registering the music and then a song comes on and it completely solidifies and anchors the story and the feelings that they're trying to achieve. And, you know, the, the music has to be able to take on that responsibility and the composer has to be able to meet those challenges or they might need to start looking for a new line of work. So what have you got in the pipelines for the rest of the year or next year? It'll probably be next year now. I would have thought we're coming towards the end of the year. At the moment, some, some things are in the pipeline, but nothing that's really uh, taken complete form yet. But I, uh, I'm working on another album. You know, I'm trying to chip away at that and it'll be kind of a collection of string you know small string bass music and you know some light electronics but nothing nothing ghastly or you know over the top I think more about atmosphere and and some some string writing that I've been wanting to do for a long time but it's just it's been difficult with projects popping up the way that they have which is awesome but I think I might have some time to finally focus on that before the end of the year. This album that you've just released uh, First to the Moon The Journey of Apollo 8 Mm-hmm. Is that actually for? So is it a soundtrack to something? Yeah, it's the uh, it's a soundtrack for a film that came out in uh, June of this year, and it's a an all new documentary about the Apollo Eight mission in 1968. And uh, all three of the astronauts who are still alive were re-interviewed, and they basically tell the story of you know the first manned mission to orbit the moon. The film's available on, I believe, Amazon, iTunes, Google Video, Blu-ray, DVD. It's, uh, it, you know, it wasn't in theaters, but it was released uh, widely for all the video on demand and uh, physical formats. Not available on the streaming sites. Uh, it is available on on Amazon. It's not available on Netflix or Amazon Prime, though. Uh, it should eventually make its way there, but it's there right now. Just having it available on on iTunes and on Amazon for a, for a purchase download. I know you're going to be biased, but is it worth a watch? <laughs> uh, I mean, I can't objectively answer that, obviously. Yes, I, I, <laughs> as I, uh, I think anyone who's interested in the space program, if that's something that, you know, interests people, it's absolutely worth a watch. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's a really in-depth look at this mission, and you kind of, I found out a lot about the time period and the space program that I didn't know before, even as, as an enthusiast of, of that era, you know, and I think getting the three astronauts to, you know, to interview and talk about this uh, mission, you know, on the 50th anniversary of the landing of Apollo 11, it was a good, it's good timing and it's a good counterpart to all the, uh, all the Apollo 11 material that came out this year. So. Cool. Right. I'm going to ask you a couple of quick fire questions before we depart. Firstly, you have an MP3 player. You're going on holiday. You have an MP3 player, really old school, and uh, you, can, you can only fit two songs on it. You're going away for a week. What two songs are you going to fit on that MP3 player? Oh my gosh, that's painful. Um, hmm. <laughs> I would probably pick the first one would be a, a cue from Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan called Genesis Countdown. 
he's going to be, if people like film music, they're going to like these choices. And if, if they don't, they're going to think I'm, I'm, I've gone out of my mind. Um, the second one would probably be, it would probably be uh, a sequence from Back to the Future. It would be the music during the uh, Clock Tower sequence. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that is a random thing to take on holiday. I know. Like I said, if someone enjoys film music, they're going to understand. And if they, if they don't, I think they're going to think I was the wrong person for this interview, to be honest. Um, <laughs> the, the, my friend Wayne, uh, he's the co-host on the, the main show. He loves film with a passion. And he knows all the different composers. He's probably heard of you. He, sh- he should really have done this interview. It would have been perfect for it, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd completely understand what you're talking about right um next question next question and i'm going to go out on a limb and say that i know what one of your answers is going to be you, you could collaborate with one artist that's dead and one artist that's alive anyone that's dead or alive one of each mm-hmm. who would you collaborate with and i'm going to go out on a limb and say that the alive artist would be hans zimmer uh no, actually. I understand where you're coming from, but I, I think that actually might be the one... Well, I'm, I'm thinking, and he, my answer for the living artist might be the one person that you'll... like. That you'll Maybe not, though. We'll see. <laughs> um, as far as, as uh, departed artists, um, I think I would probably collaborate with... Uh, Jerry Goldsmith or Bernard Herrmann, and they would yell and scream at me the whole time, but I'd become a much better composer. <laughs> uh, and then, in terms of living artists, uh, I would probably... I'd probably work with Richard Devine, who's a... All uh, names I do not know. Uh, Richard is a, a really, really amazing um, synthesizer performer, you know, and he's... Ex- he's ex- exceedingly good with uh, modular synthesizers and he's just very good at coming up with with sounds and textures and things that i just have never heard before and i just that that's a skill that is just i find very very impressive and i, th- I think that would be more of a of a fruitful collaboration than getting yelled and screamed at by uh, jerry goldsmith or bernard Horman, who are both amazing but i imagine to be very demanding people so right and our final question if you could go back in time and remove any song or piece from history so it never existed you hate it so much that you you don't want anybody to ever listen to it again what would you remove hmm so you have to have an absolute disdain for it it could be I anything some, in the I, mainstream really i suppose yeah i i some i i sometimes get really and i feel bad because i i like uh i like brian eno very much but i I, I'm very annoyed with how his album Music for Airports sort of affected the way people tend to treat music. And, I, and I'm putting a lot on him and I don't mean to, but the, the way that, you know, Muzak had kind of became a thing around that time. And people sometimes point to that album as a, as a reason for that or as sort of a groundbreaking approach to, oh, we can just play music all the time in public spaces uh, to the point where now I think people don't really... Sometimes I worry that people don't always appreciate music on the, the most fundamental of levels because they're so used to hearing it used for affectation and atmosphere that they don't really engage with it on a certain level, if that, if that makes any sense They at hear all. it, but they don't listen to it. Yeah, and um, I think he even wrote an essay you know, about his approach for music for airports. And I think it's, it's 
you know, again, it's not his fault, but I think there's a, it's been a bit of a pernicious effect on how people approach music now with it just being everywhere all the time. Um, certainly a groundbreaking idea, but it, it, nowadays I, I worry that people don't really give it give it the focus that it that it needs all but the time. But isn't that essentially what you're doing with your music, with, with what you were saying earlier? You know, it's, well, it's there, it's there in the background, not to be noticed. Yes and no. I think the difference is that with music is uh, music and storytelling is at least there's more sculpture to it, and okay. m- yeah, music as a as a wallpaper, music as a uh, as a piece of decor. I think then it starts to become a little bit more uh, anonymous, anonymous or passing through people's minds to an extent where they're not they're not giving it the right attention. Whereas if they're watching it in a film and the music is being atmospheric there's you know generally a, a reason for it to be be doing that and it can at least have the the latitude to to crescendo if it needs to to hit a cut or to do something within the the context of the story yeah I'll but it's a, it's a razor it's a razor's edge though i mean you're 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 absolutely right about that hmm. yeah it's a good answer though right so yeah that's i think that just about covers it terrific Cool. Uh, thank you for joining me. It's an absolute pleasure. Not what I was expecting, to be honest. I've never had a composer on before, so it was, it's, it's been nice. Oh, thank you, and thanks for, for having the interest in the music and for uh, for having me on the show. It was really great to talk to you. No, no, it's been good. It's been good. Um, obviously, if you want to check out Alexander Bornstein all of his work, or you want to follow him on socials, we'll leave all the links in the show notes to his Facebooks and his Spotify's and everything, so you can check him out there. So, now, without any more furtherance of the adus, here is Alexander Bornstein with his composition, Fireball.
Okay, so that was Alexander Bornstein with his composition, which is called Fireball. Fireball. Not that one, though. What was that song that goes, Fireball? <laughs> I don't remember that. that. <laughs> you just made that up. I just you? made that up. Yeah, it's not that one anyway. Um, yeah, Alexander Bornstein is a... Uh, he does soundtracks for movies. He's a composer, so yeah. He's, he's done stuff that's currently on Netflix... Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this one is from the First to the Moon, Journey of Apollo 8. Which I think will be on Netflix. Or oh, is it Amazon? Amazon Video or something like that. Right, okay. Yeah, it's going to be on Amazon Prime. I've watched the trailer well. for it today with his composition all over the top of it. Any good? Yeah, it looked fucking amazing. Did it? Yeah, it really did. Oh, cool. I watched the trailer and went, I want to watch that. Yeah, see, when I listened to it, though, I, I got more of a, a... I pictured more of a war scene, like... Um, a war scene, everyone's like something from Lord of the Rings, everyone's failing. You've got the protagonist and they're failing, but you want them to win. And then them being bombarded, and it's, it's all powerful music. And then it's like shit, they're going to lose. And then out of nowhere, their friends who said they weren't going to come turn <laughs> up and we've come anyway. Oh, it's Avengers and, Assemble. And you get, you get a change in the music. <laughs> And it's like, oh shit, they're gonna win! They get all excited, and then them winning, and then the music changes. It's all mellow and happy, and that's that, that's that's what I got. But obviously, it's about the moon. Yeah. Uh, what I want to know is, um, why is why is this guy coming to us? Why not? What other podcast is gonna? <laughs> this is. I absolutely agree, but it's just like he's he's got a thing out on Netflix, you know, and he's he's doing. But having said that, I did look at him on Spotify. He's got like 34 this, this months to listen. This is the thing with, um, with with his style of music and what he does. He's very talented. Fuck very yeah. talented. So talented to do what he does. And he, he'll never get the recognition that he deserves through just doing what he's doing. I think that's unfair because he's better than probably 90% of the mainstream shit out there. Mm. And... No one will ever know who, who he is. That's why I think it's good for us to be able to give people like this a platform. That's true. I compared him to um, Jeremy Saw in the interview, who I brought a while ago. That the um, the pianist. And he know he knows it. Yeah, no, it was the um, from from the game. Uh, oh Skyrim. shit! Yeah. Well, funny enough, when I put um, this song into into um, Spotify, boatloads of um, gaming soundtracks came up with it yeah, as well. Yeah. So yeah, um, what do you think, Mike? Um, I, I think you've stolen everything I was going to say <laughs> about, the, about the track, to be honest. So, 
I mean, I was writing some notes on the on the bus earlier, and one thing that I wrote on here is uh, it sounds more like the build up to a battle, which is exactly what you were just saying. It's that mm. kind of it builds up, and then, like you say, it's this big sort of clash, and you feel like oh, and you get really invested in it, and it's really dramatic. Um, I'm kind of really intrigued to see the film to see how on earth the music relates to whatever's happening on the moon and or going to the moon or whatever it is in that film. Oh yeah. I watched the trailer for it today. The trailer was two minutes forty three seconds. I was fucking gripped. It was um, so. The story is of Apollo eight. Apollo eight is the first manned rocket that orbited the moon before. Oh, this is a prequel to uh, Tom Hanks' film then. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's a prequel to that, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it's too removed from so. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. So yeah, it was. It was this got interviews from the astronauts in there, and, and about you know they they were sat on five million tons of basically an explosive and all that sort of stuff, uh, with this guy's music over the top. I, I think it's you know, I, I learned something at the weekend. I always compare, try and compare people to other people, and it's, I always feel bad about doing it. But it's a reference point. That's my reference point. That's where I'm jumping in at, and this guy. He's got traits of John Williams, and he's got traits of Hans Zimmer with the both oh, of them. Oh, he loves Hans Zimmer. He, he was, uh, yeah, he was on the boat. Who doesn't too. love Hans Zimmer? He's fucking awesome. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, but it's his own thing. You know, I can hear those guys in in his in his in his compositions, but it's also his own thing. But it comes through as an influence. Yeah. 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 It's really good. Yeah, I really. I mean. It, it was interesting because there was bits of it as well that sounded like it could be a Terminator soundtrack. It kind of was a little <laughs> bit industrial, you know what I mean? It was that kind of yeah. thing. So it was really cool. I thought in terms of the, the composition, the way it's put together, everything, I thought it was really, really good. Um, <clears throat> but if you hadn't told me it was, or, or if I hadn't seen on the video that it was anything to do with the moon, I never would have guessed it. So that, But that doesn't put me off. That intrigues me because I, I want to yeah. see the film. Especially from what you've just said, having seen the trailer, it sounds actually really cool. So yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was cool. It's a, it's a journey. This song, you know what I mean? It's actually, it starts and it drags you in, and then you get the drama, and then you get like a, a the the sort of lull, and then you get the nice melody after it. It's, it's this is why I have this music on the podcast. I've brought it before, and I'll bring music like this again. It's like it paints a picture, and I love music that paints a picture in your head. Normal mainstream music doesn't do that. They just tell you what the, the, the story's about. And that's it. This, it'll say something different to me that it says to you. And at the end of the day, just because it's instrumental, just because it's, you know, it doesn't mean it shouldn't be on there, we're quite happy to have dance music on it, EDM. Mm. What's the difference? What is the difference? Just, EDM is just instrumental most of the time. I'll just clarify when I said, I don't know what he's doing coming to us. By that I mean, I don't think he should be coming to us because he should be fucking massive. You know what I mean? He should, he should be... Ugh, Richard turn his phone to silence. That's what Richard do. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, th- I think he, he he should be, you know, off doing endless contracts for game uh, for. He for probably games has. He all. probably has. He, he's, I, I don't, you know, he's got stuff going on Netflix. He's got stuff coming up. But like I say, they're not going to play your stuff on radio. No, that's true. So there's only people like me and you, and maybe other podcasters out there, who's going to. Give him some recognition. So yeah, carry on. Bring more stuff like this. I'll say it's I, just to reiterate. I think it's fucking brilliant. It is. It is mm. fantastic piece of work. Mm. Yeah. Anything else to add, Mike? No, I think you covered it. I, th- I, I thought the same thing. I thought it's, it's a bit. I know what you mean. It's not. Um, 
there's nothing wrong with sending it to a podcast, but it felt mm. like an odd choice. It was kind of like, I feel like, I don't know, if I was a composer, is that where I would go to send my music? But then I suppose if you flip that around, he's probably thinking, well, I've got some good contracts, I'm doing some cool stuff. Maybe if more people hear what I do, I might get some more. So he might be using it as a, you know, in the same way we all do when we're putting our music out there. He's, yeah. he's probably just trying to reach another audience and more people that might be able to support him. So, yeah, I think it's brilliant. I think it's great that you guys mm. are playing it. But um, also, it's just a, you know, it's a standout, really good track, isn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> happy days. But he makes me want to watch the documentary when that fails. Like I say, though, it's, we're quite happy to, you know, people are quite happy to stick dance music on with no lyrics, and nobody questions that. Hmm. This is the same thing. It's a piece of it's a piece of art, art piece of music. It hasn't got lyrics. Same as dance music, only better, I think. Yeah. So it, is, it should it be really good, it yeah. should be broadcast. I think it is. It is really good. You're right. Awesome. Next artist, then for our next artist, I have on Wayne's notepad Anatoly Sam. Anatoly, fuck right off. Anatoly Sampa. No, no, I spoke to her. We, we, I don't have the interview for this one. The uh, the recording didn't come out very well. It was my fault. It was something to do with sound. And, right, she, okay. and she was so timid and frail. I just, I felt like I was going to break her just by talking to her. So, <laughs> so our next artist is Anatoly Sampa. She's an Italian artist. Living in London, I think it is. And uh, anyway, this is this is not my chat with her, but a quick bio followed by her song. Greek-born singer-songwriter and actress Anatoly Sampa left Athens to spend several years in Bohemian Berlin before moving to London in 2010. On the journey, she has studied literature, cultural studies, acting, dance and physical theatre, a blend of influences and skills that is reflected in her music and art. She has performed on stage and in film and has collaborated with various musicians, bands and music producers on indie pop, jazz, soul, gospel, trip-hop and electronic products as a singer. Co-writer and lyricist, she writes songs on the piano and tells stories of dark love, betrayals, beginnings and endings, the experience of leaving abroad alone in big cities, long journeys, nostalgia, the moon and the stars. Her major influences are Michael Jackson, Freddie Mercury and Queen, the Beatles, Ella Fitzgerald, classical music and Greek art music, as well as Pina Borsch, or I think that is, Sylvia Plath, Tennessee Williams, various painters and cinema. Anatoly's debut single will be out on 21st of the 6th, 2019, so it's been out a while. And a follow-up will come out in the autumn. She's planning to perform her songs live and hopes to release her debut album very soon. And for your listening pleasure right now, here is Anatoly Sampa with her song, Only a Stranger. dreams with milk and honey woman soft her kiss on you she swears you'll always be safe mama loved mama cries she gives you long black hair and big green eyes then you walk 
you sing and talk the whole world under your spell. Mama left, she's not home. The treasure's hidden well, is it in Rome? Mama's gone and all alone. You start painting the wind. Come, sweet stranger, come sit next to me. You are just a stranger, but you look sweet at me. Come, sweet stranger, come sit next to me. You are only stranger, but you talk sweet to me. Now I will care for you. Say I will care for me too for a while, for a while, for a while. Kisses like honey, woman soft. You touch on me, and you promise you'll always be near. But it was full of tears, so full of lies. And I know I loved your fears, I loved your eyes. God, we walked, we sang and talked, my whole world under your spell. Now you left. There's no home. Your secrets always hidden, well somewhere alone. Now you're gone, and I'm. So uh, that was Anatoly Sampo with her song, Only a Stranger. Yeah. Beautiful piece of music. Um, oh, 
Wayne? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I started by watching the video. and I, It's a bit cheesy. Well, I, I was struggling with the video because I, I couldn't really... You know, it was sad and confusing the video was. I was a little... <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm not really sure what the... So I found a lyric video for it and everything dropped into place for that then. So, so what I took was, it's a tragic song about lost love and abandonment. Um, you know, a mom abandons her, then she finds this stranger she falls in love with, and then he abandons her. And then she sort of is longing for his, you know, his presence and his love again. And then you get that weird moment in the video where she wanders out into the sea, and I thought, where the fuck is this going? Because this looks weird. <laughs> and then lucky enough, at the last minute, they cut back to her, and she just saw, like, I'm going for a swim, fully clothed. I'm like, that's fine, <laughs> we're all good. I struggled with the video, but it's like, this, blo- this bloke turns up with long hair, flicking his hair at her, Oh, does does that work with women? Apparently it does. Uh, he stopped, he's on his bike. That's why I don't pull women. I've got no fucking hair. And they fuck off <laughs> together on a, on a on their own bikes. Where did she get her bike from? She didn't have one before. <laughs> it's a Boris bike. She got one from the corner. She's got a Boris bike. <laughs> She's got a Boris bike from the corner, yeah. <laughs> uh, That's I also the think... best comment ever. She... <laughs> <laughs> anyway. so, um, because these are the important things to discuss. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> you know. I think I think the song's got an absolutely lovely build-up. You know what I mean? It, it gets it gets stronger and stronger as the song goes on, and and the way she phrases some of the things is really disjointed, and it caught me off guard. But it wasn't unpleasant. You know, it sort of dragged me further into the song with it. This is the reason why I went and sort of looked further into the song because I wanted to know more about it. I think it's like like yeah, I know what you're saying about the her way of singing, but it's a nuance that makes it. Typically, her. You yeah, know what I mean? agreed. Yeah. And obviously, it's probably because she, she's Italian, and that comes out in her, you know, vocals. But I don't think it's bad. I think it's no, good. I suppose I don't it think it's really good. It makes her stand out. Yeah. Mike, what do you reckon? <clears throat> yeah, I really like the song. I quite, I, I quite like the story. Like you're saying, like the, it's quite a sad story. It's got a little bit of a happy middle and a sad kind of mm. saddish ending, I suppose. Um, I thought it was kind of really beautifully written. I was completely confused by the video. Um. I'm not no, a big, yeah. I'm not a big fan of narrative music videos. I kind of think that was done to death 20 years ago, and then the Foo Fighters came in and took the piss, and no one can ever beat that, really. So, no. I, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of them anyway. But like, I didn't get like that. He sort of turned up. He he was dressed like Jack White. He started playing the violin on the roof for some reason, and he was standing on a chair. I didn't really get that. Um, I, I don't think she liked it because then she pushed him and they broke up. Uh, there was lots of awkward bike riding and running about and. And then she left her shoes in the road. It was all very confusing, but the actual song I thought was absolutely brilliant. I really enjoyed the song. It was really subtle, um, really understated, really quiet. Again, kind of a very pretty, uh, kind of beautiful melody and song. So I really liked it, um, but the video confused the hell out of me. But you know, I'm not I'm not knocking that because bands spend a lot of money, um, you know, producing their own videos and stuff, and and you know they do what they want to do for various reasons, and that's up to them. But um, I'm not a music video fan anyway, but the video sort of was like, okay, this is weird, but the song was really good for me. Mike, you're good. You can't come again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thanks, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I can't really add to that. She's a... Yeah. So yeah, that was Anatoly Samper with her song. Check her out. Uh, I'll put all the stuff in the show notes. Nice. Yeah. So we're going to move on to our final artist before the... Ooh! Wild card. 
I just like next, doing it. <laughs> and the next artist is Grace Savage. Yeah. Grace Savage. Grace Savage. Grace Savage. <laughs> I don't think she'll like Savage. Okay. But, um, so we won't say that, just in case. But yeah, this is Grace Savage with her song, Typical Savage and My Chat. So, Grace Savage, tell me a bit about yourself. Uh, who are you? How long have you been doing music and how would you describe your sound? So I'm from Devon originally in the southwest England, um, but I've been in London for the past, God, about eight, nine years now. I started out as a beatboxer. I've been beatboxing since I was about 15. Um, went to study theatre at Leeds Uni, but ended up sort of going down the beatboxing route, became a professional beatboxer. And then I started loop- looping and singing and stuff like that um, around about six, seven years ago and started writing songs, working with producers. And I released my first EP in 2017. And I would say my sound is electronic pop music with kind of an indie twist. Okay. So do you play drums also then? I don't, no. I just drum with my mouth. Okay. Cool. Uh, I believe you're four-time UK champion. I am, yeah. Yeah. That's quite an accolade. Yeah. Usually, this is a you haven't heard this music podcast, and it's about lesser known artists. But you're making quite some waves in the uh, music industry at the moment in such a short space of time as well. You've only been going since 2017. So, what what have you uh, done music wise so far? Like, uh, EPs, albums. Um, I've just because I'm in electronic music, and I was completely self releasing, unsigned, and unmanaged for the first sort of year and a half. I decided to release EPs rather than go for the whole album. And I've just released my third EP. So I've managed to squeeze three EPs into two years. Uh, I've done. I've managed it by doing a lot of crowdfunding, using Pledge Music and Kickstarter campaigns. And I've just, for my third EP, managed to get secure some proper funding from PRS. Yeah, I've just, it's been pretty relentless, really. I've spent a lot of my own money on it, um, but in the hope that if I sort of, you know, do a good job, eventually it will start earning me some of the money back <laughs> yeah um that's quite cool in such a short space of time as well it looks like you if you carry on at this pace you could be in a well you could be quite, quite high up in a couple of years time you just never know do you i mean it's you've got to you've got to enjoy the journey um you know when i got one of my songs playlist on radio one that was incredible that was just through uploading it to bbc introducing but i never make the mistake of thinking right that's it i've made it i got radio one all the labels are going to come knocking, you know. It's I know that I have to go back and write again and graft again, and you just have to work really hard and hope that you can earn enough to pay your rent. Um, but yeah, I would I would like to sort of keep going on an upward trajectory. Yeah, it's easy to do that. I was just uh, doing an interview with a girl from Ireland, and I was saying that yeah, it's, it, as soon as you hit it like a goal, like you have a, an extra thousand listeners or whatever, you, you get all excited and think, yes, I'm going to be a millionaire in no time. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's easy to get swept away, I think. But no, yeah. from from what you've achieved so far, and from the from the press, and from what I've read, um, yeah, there's yeah, you're kind of riding a wave at the moment. Do you um do many shows? Have you got many shows coming up? So in terms of like my own uh, full band headline shows, where I just sing my songs with my band, I probably do one or two of those a year, more likely two. But I earn my living really from working on other people's projects as a beatboxer or um, doing a lot of corporate gigs 
um, with quite a few sort of different agencies that book me for yeah corporate brands or like company parties or so I do actually gig a lot but in terms of my own ticketed Grace Savage gigs I've only done a handful really because it t- still takes a few months for me to be able to fill a sort of 100 150 cap venue um, but yeah I, I'm lucky enough to earn my money earn my living from teaching beatboxing and gigging cool that's excellent would you would it be something you you'd want to step away from in the future, like focus mainly on your music, or is it something you'd like to incorporate into the what you're doing? Um, I think yeah, the dream would be just to su- survive solely on my own music, but I sort of see that as my passion project still. Really, I'm not earning enough money solely from that, so that yeah, that would be ideal. Um, but I'm lucky that I've got the beatboxing thing, really, because it means that I do get quite a lot of work performing and then I can just turn up and sing my own songs anyway. <laughs> do you do the whole dubstep thing with the beatboxing, do you? Yeah, so when I do my songs, they're more le- electronic pop songs, but then I can do like a get UK garage mashup or a hip-hop cover or, yeah, dubstep stuff. So I can be quite... I can sort of do a lot of genres within one gig, which is quite satisfying. That's, that's cool. I'm a, I'm a drummer myself so i can appreciate what you do cool so have you got any gigs planned have you got anything coming up or is it just all up in the air at the moment um so yeah i like again with the corporate gigs i'm off to boston in september for two nights wow so that's like a company called it's an event called Hypergrowth, and companies from all over pay like 400 quid a ticket and they have a whole weekend of like listening to lectures and networking and I'm basically the entertainment and yeah and in terms of my own gigs I've basically I'm not going to release any more music until next year now so I'm just in the studio writing loads um I've got a a quite a good a healthy back catalogue of songs now that I'm sort of finessing uh yeah so the plan is to really write 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 and release more music next year who would you say you use as inspiration for the music that you produce um it changes depending on my mood. Um, I listen to a lot of Banks, uh, a lot of Frank Ocean. And then you've got the classics that inspired me growing up, like Lauren Hill, Eminem, Missy Elliott. I'm enjoying Hosier at the moment. It's just, I mean, there's so much music out there, isn't there, on Spotify? I was going to say you're quite urban in your uh, taste of music, but then you said Hosier, so <laughs> now you're quite. It's got you got quite an eclectic uh, taste of music. Yeah, and I think the way that like Spotify and everything's set out now, you sort of listen to music based on what mood you're in. Yeah. So I'll if I wake up in the morning, I'll put on Bob Marley because I want to, you know, feel put in a good mood. Or um, if I'm working out, I might listen to some more like hip hop stuff. Um, yeah, I just love all sorts of music, really. So when you listen to your music at home, do you find yourself walking around spitting all over the place? Doing your yeah. <laughs> if there's an interesting drum rhythm, yeah, I'm immediately going, oh, how can I recreate that? Definitely. It's a great way to practice beatboxing and come up with new new things as well. Do you do you like to play with time signatures as well, do you? Sometimes. And I know some beatboxers that really get into that. Um, they really geek out on it. But I sometimes think, is that just for the benefit of other people that understand time signatures? <laughs> yeah. or, or is it just a challenge? Like, it's a fun thing to do as a challenge, yeah, but... I like, in terms of my own music, I really like simplicity. I think people try to overcomplicate things sometimes. I think um, most, pe- most people only understand 4-4, four, four, so it's probably just best to keep to it, I suppose. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to throw a few quick-fire questions at you then. Cool. My first question, you're going to Boston, aren't you? 
Yeah. So you go to Boston and you're taking an MP3 player with you. Do you remember those? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're taking an MP3 player. Unfortunately, it's an old one. You can only fit two songs on it. And you've those are the only two songs you can listen to all the time you're there. What two songs are you going to stick on that MP3 player? Oh, my gosh. I haven't got time to think. <laughs> um, that is a really hard question. Oh, they get worse. <sighs> I'm going to say, for nostalgic reasons, something by Pink, because I was, she was my idol when I was about 12, 13 years old. So let's go. I can't think of a song now. Let's say, oh, Glitter in the Air by Pink. That's a beautiful pop song. I love that. Good choice. And then maybe something like... Something classic. Mm, this is really hard. You're going to edit all my ums and ahs, are you? Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> 2,000 years later. I'm trying to think of something. This is bloody difficult. This happens every time. It's fine. Okay. And then how about Amy Winehouse, Moody's Mood for Love? I'm not familiar with that one. Um, but yeah. Or There Is No Greater Love. Amy Winehouse, There Is No Greater Love. Cool, good choice. Next question then. You have the power to go back in time and erase a song from history. You hate it so much you don't want anybody to ever listen to it. What song are you going to get rid of? <laughs> Probably something by Bastille. <laughs> I like Bastille. Oh God, I don't know why. I cannot stand his voice. I've got um, an interview with a guy this week who sounds just like him. Oh, good. You can tell him from me. <laughs> Stop singing. Yeah, I don't know. It just grates on me, but I don't know any of their songs. Yeah, one of the one of the a Bastille song. A Bastille. Uh, go with um, Pompeii. Yeah, go for it. Cool. Thank <laughs> um, you. Right, last question then. If you could collab with anyone dead and anyone alive, who would you collab with? Is Bobby McFerrin alive? <laughs> um, okay, Google. <laughs> oh, I've got no internet on. We won't know. Oh, no. Hold on. I should know. I've got to find out now. Uh, is it Bobby McFerrin? Yeah. Okay, Google. Not even listening to me. Okay, Google. Is Bobby McFerrin still alive? Nothing. Not even Google knows. We'll say he's dead. Oh, my God. Okay. Sorry, Bobby, if you're still alive. <laughs> um, yeah, Bobby McFerrin. And someone alive. Someone alive. Janelle Monet. I have no idea who that is. She's cool. Is she? I should check her out then. Yeah. Uh, how do you say that? Uh, Janelle Monet. What style of music is she? Do you know, it's not her music I, I love so much, but just like her and what she stands for and what she's doing. And she's one of the best performers I've ever seen live. Um, awesome. I'll have to check so, her yeah. out then. Go for her. Cool. And the song that you're bringing today is obviously your new song, which is Typical Savage. So what's the story behind Typical Savage? It is a song about my brother who I haven't spoken to for 10 years. So it's kind of... Very personal. It's very personal, yeah. And in fact, I haven't even said that out loud to many people. Um, but hey, how I've, I've written the song. There it is. It's sort of just putting, letting go and, you know, moving on, basically. Yeah. And the, when was this released? It came out with the EP a couple of months ago, but then we did a, a soft release as a single um, two weeks ago. Awesome. So we're going to play that song for you now. Thank you for joining me. No worries. Thanks for Thanks for having me. Absolutely our pleasure. It's been great chatting with you. As always, if you want to seek out 
Grace Savage you can find her on Spotify and all the other streaming places I'd imagine and she's on Facebook and all the other socials all the links will be in the show notes so if you want to find her you can just click on those and it will take you straight to her so yes without any further of the ados here is Grace Savage with her song Typical Savage be sad broken olive branch but I think I'll manage typical savage come on be a man bury your head in the sand don't break the habit typical savage blood and thick So that was Grey Savage with her song, Typical Savage, Wayne. Right, so 
you, you messaged me this over at the 11th It's a hour. lot of pop music this week, isn't it? Well, you sent this over and you said, she's a beatbox champion. So I went... Four times beatbox champion? I, I went, oh, this will be interesting. And then went, what's this? Have I got the right song? Because I was like, this is this is a, quite quite a pop. What you were just expecting someone to be spitting down a mic? Well, I was expecting like like a layered sort of you know sampley um, loopy pedal type thing, and then I, I I got this and I was like, I'm not disappointed. I think it's a good song, but I was just a bit like, okay. And then I found out she's playing Wilderness next year, and I've already got tickets for Wilderness, so that's quality. So I should definitely be taking out, uh, checking out Grace. I should show. definitely be taking her out, is what you was about to say. <laughs> take her out. I'm going to take her out for a drink. going to wine and dine her. Well, me, me and Emma can take her over to uh, to the valley. She'll love it over there. It'll be fucking ace. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's a breakup song, isn't it, this? That's... No. Is it not? It is not. Um, it's, she said uh, during the interview, it was, a, it was a brief interview, that it's about a brother that she hadn't spoke to for 10 years. And uh, she was quite, uh, like, she's like, well, to be, to be honest, that's one of the first times I've said it out loud. I've, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's a very personal song to her. Well, that's one of my notes. I put a breakup, to, a breakup song for current times. I suppose it is in a sense. Well, and then I wrote at the bottom here, I said, uh, this is like a, a thought I had. I feel like she wants him to be more upset than he is. So I suppose that sort of works for that then. Mm. I obviously haven't listened to the interview, so I don't know. And we don't know the ins and outs of what happened there. Oh, so. We don't. Uh, no, I know I wasn't going to ask. But um, this yeah. is this is very very now, isn't it? This. Oh yeah. 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 She know. she yeah she knows what she's doing. Yeah, she does. So my question to you, Wayne, would be in homage to not she's not she's not dead, but um, I want you to do some beatboxing, Wayne, and Boots and Cats isn't going to cut it. So. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? I'm fucking serious. <laughs> I'm, cover, I'm covering my mouth. Well, so this is a bit of just... I'll do. That'll do. <laughs> Mike, you're not exempt. I mean, just just on that, that was a great little sort of breakbeat bit you did there. That was that was excellent. <laughs> you can come again, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm allowed back. You're not um, exempt, so come on. All right, let's give it a go. Okay, now. Fuck off, Mike. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Rich has only done this because Rich is quite good at beatboxing. I'm not doing it. Oh, yeah. Yes, you fuck you, exempt. So I'm moving Thank on to you. our next artist. I haven't commented on that one yet. <laughs> yes, go on, Mike. What's your, what's your thoughts on, uh, on Grace Savage? <clears throat> um, I didn't know she did any beatboxing. I didn't hear any beatboxing in the song. Um, there was thought, well, That's probably mm. why I didn't hear it. Um, there was a cool... Um, kind of 80s synth feel that was quite good that came up a couple of times I like that and that, that kind of electro pop digital pop whatever you want to call it is quite it's very now so to hear that from sort of an independent artist um, you know who probably doesn't I'm assuming doesn't have a team of 48 producers each making one individual noise on it behind her I'm assuming she's done it herself I think that's very very talented um, it's not really my sort of you know it's not really my cup of tea if you like it's not my sort of genre but it builds nicely it's just a bit poppy for me and to be honest I don't listen to that genre enough so I, I wouldn't if you played that to me and then played four other songs in that genre I probably wouldn't know who was who that's my only sort of um, it's not really a criticism it's more of a personal thing that's probably just my ignorance of uh, of that genre but I, I do like the tune I thought it was good um, and I particularly like that little synth feel that was very 80s which I thought was quite cool 
Awesome. I uh, I googled Grey Savage yesterday, and uh, I found. Well, I was googling beatboxers, so I was trying to. I, I met a beatboxer at uh, when I went to Wilderness, and he was the current British champion. And I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember his name, and I couldn't find it in anything I'd got. So I was trying to Google and find out where he was, who he was, and uh, I come across this thing which was top ten beatboxers to look out for, and she was in the top ten. There you, oh, go. there you go. She was uh, saying in the interview she does a lot of corporate stuff, so she'd be going to Boston soon. She does a lot of teaching and oh, north stuff. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so she she does a lot beatboxing wise. I think that's how she makes probably her money at the I moment. Don't... From what I get, I gather the music's kind of something that she's doing on the side, but she would like to do more. Mm. So. Well, she's got the talent to do it. I didn't realise yeah. there was a sort of corporate market for beatboxing. Apparently there is. Who knew? How yeah. does that? Work? I have no idea. What? I think it's some sort of teaching thing that she does. What? I don't. I don't. I'm not sure. What I saw at Wilderness was it was part of like a late night cabaret, and they got these. They got the British champion from last year, and he was a world champion as well. And they got the British champion and world champion from about three years ago together on stage, and they were doing. It was basically, um, you know, Michael Winslow from Police Academy. Yeah. Yes. They were basically doing that sort of stuff and doing like beats and stuff. It was Sounds it was cool. weird to watch because it was it sounded so processed. And a couple of times I did actually think to myself, they're fucking playing a tape here, they're not really doing this. But then you'd Did hear you ever him... see that one where um, I think it was him and he did that um that Led Zeppelin song? Yeah. yeah. That was brilliant. Yeah he's good though he's Michael Winslow. <clears throat> anyway. So yes that was Grace Savage. Very again, I'm I'm trying to introduce a bit more variety, pop. And, uh, I don't know how like, much more variety you want, Rich? No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's like, <laughs> for for a long time, we, we didn't allow that. It's not whether we didn't allow. It's like we ignored that side of the music, the kind of pop, commercial I, I, no, style I'm gonna, music. I'm going to stand up for you. Here. We didn't have it. It wasn't coming through when we first started the B sides and when we first started the show. Was we it were not? getting no. We were getting a lot of indie and a lot of rock and a lot of sort of you know the softer side of that. And it's only recently we've been having more and more pop entries. And she seems connected as well. She's going to make us huge. Kind of. Especially with our beatboxing just now, we're all going to be famous. exactly yeah. fucking hell, mate. You know what I mean? The three of us up on stage at a corporate yeah. event. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll, I'll put a thong on. They can stick twenties down the side. Jobs are good. In. See, when I picture corporate beatboxing, I'm just thinking beatboxing in a suit and tie. <laughs> so, our, proje- our projected forecast for this year is... <laughs> <laughs> With a fiscal return of... <laughs> and if you look down here at the downturn, we've Everybody's funny just drops the mic and walks out the room. Yeah. And everybody gets it, just drinks the heavy on and goes, mm. and then pops, then pops head back through the door. You're fucked. I'm probably going to edit most of that out. So. No, don't. Please don't. Moving on to our next artist. Who's our next artist, Wayne? We don't fucking know! <laughs> Wildcard bitches! <laughs> Listen, 
this is so exciting. <laughs> Neil gets the Gandalf and I'll get the wolf. That's the way I look at yeah, this now. Yeah, right. Okay, so let's have a look. We're going to go and see our submissions. Are you Twittering? 2,000 years later. Hey, guys. This is our entry. JN. C T R E. It's the wild card. Yeah, oh, you're yeah. just in time. Is this the bastard wild card? <laughs> Neil has just joined us. And he's... Say hello to our guest. Hello, guest. Hello, Neil. Oh. You alright? I don't yeah. know where your Sorry, earphone Neil. is, Neil. Oh, 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 I smell oh, pizza. That might be. That might be me. <laughs> hello. Hello, Neil. You're alright. Um, oh, hey, you're alright, mate. I can hear you now. So, our wild card this week. Now that I've randomly generated through numbers and shit, maths, dumb it maths, maths, and maths, maths, bitch, maths and science, we have JNC, TRE, the, 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 that's who we've got. What are you doing, Neil? I think it's pronounced juncture. <laughs> okay. First single, Time on the Line, was released in February 2016 and was quickly picked up by BBC Introducing. I used to be impressed when people said that, but have you noticed how every fucking person who's got a guitar has been on BBC <laughs> Introducing now? Everybody. Anyway, <laughs> in Stoke. This led to an interview and live session performance with BBC Stoke's Rob Adcock. In light of growing popularity, what was originated as a bedroom project needed a live performance, leading to the recruitment of the talented drummer and good friend Alex Bell. Together, Dan George and Alex forged JNCTR Junctus, now iconic live show. And loads and stuff going on there. Um, right, so we're just going to have a listen to their music now. Let's go for it. Next to you, I held my line. You never won that night. 
So that was Loosen Up by J... I have lost them. J-N-C-T-R-E. That's who that was, and I'm going to... Got to say, Wayne, I'm very disappointed. I'm, I'm no, I can see it in I'm very disappointed were, indeed. Yeah. I'm not happy. It's not that, shit. That was not shit. <laughs> no, it was not shit. That was quite good, actually. I quite enjoyed that a lot. That was good. I think after three listens, that would probably end up on my playlist. It's, it's a very good song, that. Mm. Yeah. Let's start with you, Mike. Yeah, it was, um, I wasn't sure what to expect, obviously. Um, probably sounded a bit tinny through this, Mike. Uh, no, it was alright, but yeah, it was, I, I don't know, I like that, it reminded me a little bit of sort of the gorillas, only, I don't know, if they were on some sort of drug that makes you go at half the speed <laughs> that you normally would go at, I guess. Um, it was quite sort of tripped out and weird and a bit kind of fucked up, and I quite liked that. Um, it was cool, and there was some, you know, weird little guitar bits that came in and out. And Yeah, I really like those bits, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really, it was almost like if you took a sort of 90s trance track and slowed it right down you can imagine it might sound a bit like that and then um, and then yeah I don't know that, it was cool but I can't put my finger on why it was just I weird I beef cool. a chill out done with guitars yeah exactly yeah that's exactly I'm, it I'm going to put my finger on it right because this song reminds me of a song that was very recent did you guys hear Craig David with Bastille no no no. Right, okay, go and listen to Bastille featuring Craig David or Craig David featuring Bastille. It's very in the vein of that. I and mean, that's not bad because I, I think Bastille are one of the best plan- bands on the planet, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> and it's in that sort of vein. It's Craig, sort Craig of, David, I think. Craig David! That's the fella, yeah? That fella. That one. Him and, him and Bastille. It's a really current sort of indie sound. You know, it's a lot of electronica that's, that's coming about right now. I, th- I that was brilliant. I really enjoyed that. So BBC introducing got it right. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, I got nothing really more to add to it. I, I, I did, I did like it though. It's um, mixing EDM with rock. Yeah, it's good. It's very good. Some sort of soft rock. It was yeah, co- yeah. It's some sort of soft rock, and it's making it accessible. Accessible. Oh. It took those funky guitars Neil, in as well. with your words, <laughs> your goddamn dictionary. I think he's right. It's accessible. It's a bit more palatable. It's a palatable, bit more. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just a bit easier than. I mean, I quite like you know, not sort of, well, some dance stuff and all the rest of it. But it's always a bit hard. Can't really dance it, to this. You'd fall asleep on the floor. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not. It's, it's not quite a dance track. But do you know what I mean? I quite like a lot of EDM. Well, some EDM music, but it's normally quite harsh to listen to. Whereas this is quite soft. Um, I can't get the Craig David thing because all I can think of is re rewind. <laughs> <laughs> just grab the bolt, select. That's all I've got. Beatboxing and Craig David, you know what I mean? What more do you want? <laughs> what a podcast! <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I can find my harmonica later. <laughs> Neil, I liked it. It had atmosphere. So there you go. He did an interpretive dance for the whole three minutes of that he song. He actually did, yeah. I, I got bored about two and a half minutes in, to be fair. But bored of the song? Not bored, bored of the, the song, dancing? bored of the dancing. Okay. I thought, oh, I'm bored of dancing now, I'm just going to listen to the He got to the point where he even did a double air grab. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, how, that's how into the song <laughs> I, I, it was. I did get quite into it. I did, I did a pelvic thrust at one point as well. <laughs> yeah. And it's a small room. I felt violated. <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed it immensely. Yes, it's very good. It's very, yeah. Um, well done, Juncture. The, the thrust or the song? Which did you enjoy immensely? 
Both. Both. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So that was drunk J That one off. JNCTRA. That was JNCTRA. And I'll leave all their stuff in the notes for you to listen to. Very is it, good. Is it John Central? Or John Centre? Is that the way? It's just JNCTRA. It's not churches with the VAs. See? Juncture. Juncture. It's like a junction or something. Yeah. A junction, you're, you're, you're a sure junction of dance and EDM and rock. No, Am I reading too much into this? I think so, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll ask them in an email. Ask them in an email. Uh, yeah, so that, 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 that's it. That, that, is us. That, that concludes the show. It does. Uh, so, yeah. So, so, yeah, tune in next time, next week, or at some point, because, no, next week, I don't know what we've got coming up. Because no. we've got so much, we've got we've got some festival shows coming up, and we've got we've got Kathleen Alley at some point. I don't know if that's before this show or after it. I think it's out before this show. I just don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> oh, too Mike, much would shit you like to? Would you like to shamelessly plug your podcast? I'd love you to. You can't say that. <laughs> of course, I can. <laughs> no, I can do that. Um, yeah, my podcast is called New Music Saturday. I co-host it with my good friend Dr. Baines, who's in Canada. And you can listen to it on newmusicsaturday.com and on Spotify and all the usual places. Yes, check them out. Much. They've got the similar kind of vibe to what we've got going on here. It's not just a, a radio show. Tried, you know, you've got a failed radio presenter who's tried to carry on doing what they're doing on a podcast. That's not what they're doing. They're trying to keep it real and yeah, have a bit of camaraderie and all that. It's similar kind of vibe to this. Am I right? Yeah, definitely. It's good fun. I think that's why I like this show so much because I sort of I had a bit of time off from work recently and I was struggling. I was doing some work on the house. I was struggling to find things to listen to, and I knew of I'd listened to this show before because I discovered it a few months before, um, and a couple of others. But there's not really. I can't find a lot out there that's similar to what we're doing, especially that's promoting you know independent, unsigned, whatever you want to call it, artists as well. So, um, but yeah, we just sort of. Uh, we get drunk on a Saturday night and have a chat live on air, and then we stick it on Spotify and punish everyone with it for we three hours. Drunk on air for a while. Yeah, it's we used to get drunk. We used <laughs> to get. We need to do that again. That was some of our best episodes. Oh, I've started driving to the studio. That, 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 that needs to stop. <laughs> you can't. Mistake. You can't hear me shaking my head. That's that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> need to get a camp bed set. Well, we got so we got, we got so wrecked in one episode. Oh. We had to scrap it, didn't we? No, I already see the fuck out of it. Oh, that was my best George Lucas work, that was. Was, it, was that the one when you consumed an entire bottle of rum? Yes. Oh. <laughs> During the course of the podcast. Oh. A whole bottle of rum, and uh, I think there was something else as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think, I think so. I amazing. A beers as well. Fucking hell. Anyway. <laughs> Arrowroot biscuits as well. So, yeah, check out... Check out... Oh, for fuck's sake. New Music Saturday. New Music Check out New Music Saturday. I will leave their links in the show notes also, so you can check them out. So if you like your independent music and you enjoy what we're doing, I believe you'll also enjoy what they're doing. So in between our episodes when we're not doing anything, I'm sure there's some something of them to listen to. Mm. And then, then, then get my words out and everything. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much thank oh, you very thank much you for having me as well it's yeah I was going to say Mike thanks so much for joining it's been a blast yeah you've been great hopefully we'll be able to do it again in future love to cheers guys so we're at the end of the show I'm afraid this is it this is the end I'm going fucking off <laughs> I've had enough right so yes 
Thank you for listening. If indeed you still are. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. When you ready, Mike? Oh, sorry. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot I was on. I was listening to it like it was real. And that's Sorry. staying in as well. That's staying in. That oh, is. fuck. <laughs> I, get, I get to edit this one, so that's staying in. Uh, should, we, should we get him to do a trial? This is my, this is Mike and this is the B sides. You can do it if you want. Yeah, it's, it's up to you. It's but we'll, we'll never the sound that we'll never get to use the. Uh, this is a journey into sound exactly. if we do that. Oh, uh, we, we don't want you. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <laughs>From ASE certified expert technicians to new smart services that keep you connected, Pep Boys Auto Service and Tire Centers keep your ride humming. Open seven days a week. Pep Boys, we go further to help you go farther. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.